This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. And we welcome you into episode number 211 of Brewers on Tap. We are from San Francisco as the Brewers continuing their series with the Giants. The crew have taken the first two games of this series, one of the biggest series in baseball this week between two of the top teams in Major League Baseball in the Giants and Brewers. And the crew now sitting at 81-52, and 52, 29 games over 500 for this team. And as we speak at this moment, a 10-game lead in the NL Central. It's been a phenomenal year. Still a month left of this year. Brewers have a real shot to make a run at 100 wins this season with 81 wins sitting here this morning on September 1st. It was a great month of August for the Brewers after a very good month of July. Team continues to hit and of course get that elite pitching that they're getting from this rotation and from this bullpen. A couple of notes for you from the Brewers standpoint. We're going to sprinkle in some statistics and some numbers for you over the course of the podcast. We're also going to talk to Tom Flanagan, Brewers Farm Director, about everything that's going on down on the farm. Boy, the Brewers are having some really good success stories from a development standpoint down there also. Just not talking about it as much because we're talking about everything that's going on at the big league level because the Brewers are playing so well. But the other part of it is uh, the Brewers feel really good about their latest couple of draft classes and they're getting some great results. So we're going to talk to Tom Flanagan about all that coming up. We're also going to talk to one of the big pieces of this bullpen that's been one of the big surprises, I guess, in some ways for the crew, and that's been Hunter Strickland. He's going to talk to us coming up a little bit later on as well. But let's jump into some notes. Let's start with the news that is probably the most significant, and that is what the Brewers are doing offensively now that Christian Yelich is right. And that's been a big deal. Brewers have been waiting for Yelly to hit his stride, and he has done that in spades. His last 19 games, he has been on fire for the Brewers. The other part of that is right now he has a 10-game hitting streak, and that's awesome. But in, in a lot of ways, he has an 18-game hitting streak because in 18 of his last 19 games, he's got a hit. The one game that fell in the middle before this 10-game hitting streak started up was a pinch hit opportunity. So he got one at bat, and he went 0 for 1 in that game. So in his last 18 games started, he has a hit. And in those 18 games, he's 26 of 73, a 356 average. He has seven doubles and two home runs in that stretch. So it's not just that he's getting hits and getting on base. He's slugging at a 527 clip in that stretch. 
that is really positive, and uh, it's a really big deal for the Brewers. So uh, it's really encouraging. Christian Yelich doing what he's doing now has made this lineup completely different. You get Adamas healthy, and you, you throw those two in that 2-3 hole. Narvaez has been great. Obviously, Avi Garcia has had a monster season. And you can start putting together where this where this lineup, which we were so worried about at one point in May, you, you go trade for Adamas, you trade for Telez, now you get Yelich right, and once Escobar comes back and he's healthy, I mean, it's a completely different lineup than what you were worried about in May. The other part of it is Jace Peterson, and we're going to get into some numbers on Jace Peterson before the podcast is over as well. But let's jump into it right out of the gate. Let's talk to Brewers reliever Hunter Strickland. Let's break it down. We're joined by Brewers reliever Hunter Strickland, who spent plenty of time in San Francisco as well at the beginning of your career. But, boy, are you enjoying a great season right now with the Brewers. What has been the biggest thing for you since coming over to the crew that you've been able to, to enjoy this much success for? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, just the, the welcoming group here. Um, you know, it's a super relaxed group. Um, you know, but for me personally, just going out there and trusting my stuff, uh, you know, being confident in all of my pitches now and not just a fastball, um, you know, and just making pitches, throwing them over the plate and let them work for themselves. And, you know, obviously, you know, being on the same page with, page with our catchers and stuff is, is definitely a plus. So all in all, it's been great. You're throwing your slider a lot and having a lot of success with it and getting a lot of swing and miss with it as well. Is that as good as that pitch has been for you at any point in your career right now? Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think it's definitely better than what it used to be. Uh, you know, granted, I am throwing it more. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, in my early years in, in my career, I didn't I didn't trust it as much. And I thought I could just kind of overpower and, and, and go with that. And obviously that only gets you so far. So it's a game of adjustments. And, I, you know, it was definitely a time for me to make those adjustments. And, you know, it's it, it's been good. So we'll just keep going one day at a time. You talk about overpowering. You certainly had the ability to do that. And you, you showed again this weekend. You still have that ability. You hit 98 over the weekend in Minnesota. But uh, I guess the term would be you're more refined now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's definitely encouraging that the velo is still there. But, I, you know, I, I was telling somebody earlier in the week that I feel, I feel just as good, if not better, than when I first came up. Um, you know, so I just just – doing what I can each day and day in and day out and you know putting my body in a position to to succeed and to be healthy is, is the key and you know that's what we've been focusing on. Every organization probably takes a little different approach with you too in terms of analytically what they feed you and what they think you can do better or, or improve on. How have the Brewers stood out in that regard to you? Uh, I mean I think you know the slider's been a big key uh, you know I, I knew coming over that they wanted me to throw that a little bit more uh, and trust that pitch a little bit more because statistically and analytically it's it's proven to be successful um, you know so just being just being more unpredictable out there on the mound to the hitters uh, you know like I said earlier just throwing all of my pitches over the plate and let them work for themselves. You were part of some really good teams here in San Francisco, part of a World Series team in 2014, and, and you pitched some big innings in that World Series as well. How can that experience help you as one of the veterans in this bullpen as this team gets ramped up for hopefully a nice postseason run? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's huge. You know, I think I think failures and experience is, is what teaches you more than anything. Uh, you know, so having that under my belt and uh, – you know, I think it's just made me a more confident pitcher in any situation. You know, I feel like there's 
I, I feel like no matter what what position or what situation I come into a game, I've been there before. Uh, you know, so knowing that it's a sense of peace and and just calmness, I guess. Uh, you know, to go out there and do my job. To kind of follow up on that, I mean, you've been used in both roles this year, whether it's down two runs in the middle innings and need you to just go get a couple zeros and let the offense get the team kind of back into it, or high leverage with the lead late. You've been used in those roles too. You seem to be comfortable in either. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, my, my job is to pitch whenever they call my name, um, you know, and that's the way I've been looking at it. So, yeah, you know, my it, I just want to go out there and get the outs that I'm called upon getting, um, you know, so whatever I, I, I need to do to help the team win is, is the key, and you know, whether that is the second inning or the ninth inning, it doesn't matter to me. You've been on some good bullpens. Uh, this one has a lot of uniqueness to it, a lot of guys that come at you in different ways. How does this one stand out compared to other bullpens you've been a part of? Uh, I mean, Hader said it earlier, it's a special group down there for sure. Uh, and I, I just kind of want to echo that because I completely agree. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's a very calm group. Uh, there's no panic, and I think that starts with the from the top down. Uh, you know, but it definitely carries over into our bullpen. You know, obviously we've got some good guys on the back end that, you know, their numbers and the stuff they've done over their career speaks for itself. But even the, the new guys that have come up this year and everybody's just stepping into roles that they've never been in before, um, you know, and getting the job done, I think it speaks volumes. You know, day by day is kind of an important mentality in baseball, but you guys seem to really have it as a collective group, not just in the bullpen, which is a really important place to be able to take things day by day, but it seems like collectively as a group this team gets that too. Absolutely, you know, and that is that is on and off the field. Uh, you know, like I said, it's it, it goes back to just the characters of the guys, um, you know, and playing for the guy next to them, and I think that's what takes you further than anything. Hunter, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. A big thanks to Hunter Strickland for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. Boy, has he been solid for the Brewers this year. And he, we talked about it a little bit in that interview, the fact that he's been able to give the Brewers big innings when they've had the lead. He's been able to give the Brewers big innings when they're down by a run or two late. Keep it there. Let the Brewers have another one of those 30-plus comeback victories. He's been a key part of all of those things for the Brewers this year. And just look at his numbers. What an interesting season for Strickland. He's been with three different teams this year. He began with Tampa Bay, made 13 appearances, a 1.69 ERA. Then he goes to the Angels, nine appearances, a 9.95 ERA. He gave up seven earned runs over six and a third innings. And he gave up nine runs total in that time. Brewers bring him over and he's been lights out 24 appearances, a 1-4-0 ERA in 25 and two-thirds innings. Four runs is all he's allowed over the course of this season. And how about this number? 27 strikeouts in those 25 and two-thirds as well. You heard him talking about the slider. It's been a big pitch for him, and he's been throwing it more so far this year. And he's a veteran guy. This is a guy that's pitched in the postseason. He's pitched in the World Series. Can be really valuable for the Brewers as this season continues. Well, we told you about Jace Peterson and the big year that he is having. Now, go back to June 18th. Jace Peterson, on June 18th, had a batting average of 154. He had a batting average of 154 on June 18th. He's played in 51 games since then. In that stretch, he's hit 323. He's on a base hit of 444 clip. He has a 921 OPS in those 51 games. 27 walks and 27 strikeouts. He has as many walks as he has strikeouts. I mean, these are, if you were going to 
say Jace Peterson, nickname on base Jace, definition. The definition would be all these numbers that I'm giving you right now. That's why. Why is he on base, Jace? I'm telling you with all of these numbers that I'm giving you. He's been outstanding. His overall numbers 275 and an 825 OPS. And that's not just a small sample. This is a really big year for Jace Peterson. He has been one of the unsung heroes. And maybe unsung hero is not the right word because I think most Brewers fans are so dialed in and they understand how important he's been. Not just, a, not just as a depth piece, but as a significant piece to this team over the course of this year. Been a really good year for Jace Peterson. Okay, the Brewers sitting at 81-52. Again, as we talk right now, 10 games up in the NL Central. It's really been an amazing run for the Brewers. But they've also got some great things coming in the pipeline. And we're going to talk to Tom Flanagan, Brewers Farm Director, about that right now. Checking in on the farm. Well, Brewers Farm Director Tom Flanagan is our guest here. It's been a really fun year to follow these prospects and making their way through the system in the farm system. This has been a really productive development year for this organization. And again, so much attention is being placed, as it should be, on the big league club. But you have to be really thrilled with what's gone on down below also. Yeah, Lane, we're excited, as you mentioned. Obviously, coming off of 2020, not having a a traditional minor league season, um, there was that initial energy to get back out there. But just seeing uh, what some of our players had done while they were away, although we had reports and kept into contact, just seeing them take that to the field this year and have the, the ability to, to make a sizable progression in, in many cases, particularly on the position player side this year. We've been really, really impressed with some of the guys how they've taken a step forward. So it's been, been great to see. It's always great when guys that are high draft picks or that are showing up on a lot of those lists, not that you guys pay attention to that, but you have your own internal kind of feel for where guys are at. When they're earning promotions, and boy, you've had a lot of that this year, a lot of movement within the organization. And let's start with this year's first-round draft pick, Sal Freelich. He goes to Arizona. I think that's what you expected him to do in Arizona. But then he goes to Carolina, and I don't know that anybody could have expected him to do what he did in the short time he was in Carolina. He's really earned this chance to finish up his season in high A. He did. Sal, Sal was a guy, obviously, our scouts raved about him out of the draft. And, and from the player development side, we're excited to get – up close look at him and wanted to get him to Arizona, obviously get acclimated to pro ball, shake any rust off between the end of his season and, and starting back up again. And he certainly did all checked all the boxes in Arizona and then um, just taking the level by level, sent him over to Carolina. And as you said, he really went off every night. It was it seemed like three, four hits. It was, it was more the exception. If he didn't have three hits every night, it was really impressive. And, and with the glove, he made a lot of plays. Uh, in center field, robbed a home run. I mean, he really did a little bit of everything there. So kind of forced our hand and thought, hey, he's he's showing us he's ready for Wisconsin. Let's get him there to finish off you know, 2021 and, and, uh, and put him in a great position heading into 2022. And what's cool about it is this year when there have been promotions, there's been another prospect sliding in behind them. Like when Garrett Mitchell got called up to double A, Joe Gray Jr. was ready to slide into high A, kind of in the spot that Mitchell had vacated. And in this case, Hedbert Perez, who has been a name in this organization for quite a few years, but so young. And he goes to Arizona and he was just absolutely dominating in Arizona. And now he's going to get a little taste of full season baseball at the end of the year. It's a really cool story. And, 
and he's a name that everybody should start to get used to hearing, I think. Yeah, Hedbert handled all of his business, you know, both on the field and off. He's very mature. We've talked, you know, I liked before about his maturity, you know, wise beyond his years at, at only 18 years old. It's kind of got to check your roster every time you say that because you're like, this kid's still 18 years old. But, <laughs> but no, he's, he's done everything we've asked, um, um, done everything on the field, off the field. And I think by getting him to Carolina, although it's two, three weeks left in their season, it puts him in a really good spot for the long term, which is what our eye is always on. We're trying to balance the now versus prepping him for next year. And, and he's done everything we've asked in Arizona. And it'll be good to get him around the Carolina club who's having some success and he can be a part of it out on the outfield for him. Yeah, Tom, I wanted to ask you about that because they're, they're going to get just a couple of weeks at this new level for these guys. But it should really kind of set them up for what they need to do in the offseason, right? Is that is that part of the yes. goal is to expose them to this, let them see this, and let that motivate them in the offseason as they get ready for probably either going back to that level to start next year or hopefully in some cases maybe even beyond that? Correct. I think you've touched on a great thing there. I think just the whole environment, just being used to that, you're kind of a way – he's been at the complex – you know, for us before where everything's a lot more structured, you know, transportation, all the, all the things that, you know, fans don't think about, but now he's kind of off the complex, so to speak. So he's doing even more on his own. You know, we do, you know, look after the guys pretty, pretty tightly on the road and, and at home. But at the same time, this is something where for 2021, he can get used to that environment for a few weeks, get on the buses, travel to some road parks, stay overnight in the hotel on the road, that type of thing where now he comes in for next year. And those, that's all, you know, experience that he has. He knows how it's going to be like, so he can really just focus on what he needs to do on the field. So we found, especially for young players, you know, getting them a taste of that next level, especially when they've been at the complex, you know, really goes a long way as part of their overall development. Tom, Ethan Small got back on the mound uh, this week, and that's a, a really good piece of news because he was having such a huge season started the year double a dominated was dominating at the triple a level and now he's back on the mound that's that's just a great step in the right direction and he looked good in his first outing yeah he has and the injury you know for the long haul it's it's a it's not a real serious injury although not to belittle what he went through he started to feel it around the futures game a little uh, issue with a with a a pulley actually in his finger so um kind of a tendon ligament etc in there that that fired up on him and it just, we thought, Hey, let's nip this thing sooner than later, give him the time off it needs to recover, rehab it and get back out there. So he's come back, you know, looking really good velocities up a couple ticks from before. So he's, you know, he's feeling ready to go. So we were excited to get him to Nashville, get him out on some game, get into some games there. And they run triple A seasonal run an extra two weeks past the other level. So he'll get to make up for some of those innings that maybe he missed uh, due to this injury. Yeah, and Brewers fans so excited about what they're seeing from Aaron Ashby. Small's kind of that next guy, uh, and he's knocking on that door as well. So that's certainly the Brewers' pipeline from a pitching standpoint just continues to produce arm after arm. I want to ask you about Garrett Mitchell and Bryce Terang. Um, Terang started in double-A, then earned a promotion to triple-A. Garrett Mitchell started in high-A, dominated in high-A, and then, of course, earned the promotion to double-A. Their numbers at their new levels uh, maybe don't stand out, but they are still having really good and solid overall seasons and doing, I think, what you would expect to see them do. In Garrett's case, it's still his first year of professional baseball, and people forget that. Correct. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I think we got to keep it in perspective. We've had conversations with Garrett, just talking to him. You know, as we look back, and he'll it'll probably sink in more in the off season. But he's really, you know, he went from 
you know, instructionally last year was a little nicked up, couldn't play a lot, came to big league camp, really got on our radar even further with a solid all around big league camp. And then some went to the alternate site briefly, went to Wisconsin, promoted to Biloxi. You know, he's been bouncing around experiencing a lot. So I think a little bit of a whirlwind to him, but I think he's got his legs under him at Biloxi. I was just down there recently and, and he still kind of, you know, wows you with certain things he does. He almost threw a runner out at the plate from, ball that hit the center that I didn't think he had much of a chance on. Uh, just missed the three-run homer to the opposite field, which in Biloxi, it's a big park and and uh, doesn't always travel. So he, he'll impress you. And then, as you mentioned, I think Bryce Terang, you know, being at AAA, you know, he's been around a while now, but you look down at your roster and he's still just 21 years old. So he's <laughs> yeah. a year, almost a year younger than Mitchell. So it's sometimes we, we take a look at that and kind of lose it in the shuffle because he seemed like he's been here a while, but you know, you know, self free, like we talked about earlier, he's right around the same age as Terang. So it's, it's really something we really, you know, put our emphasis on watching their age versus the level of things. So we're, we're really impressed on what Bryce has been doing, you know, at triple a both sides of the ball. I think his defense has come a long way this year. We've, we've always liked him as a defender, but he's kind of told us and proven to us that he can, he can handle shortstop at the next level. So that's a huge, huge development for us and for his uh, versatility down the road. I think you used a term that's important with young players to handle. What can they handle? And, and Bryce has proven to you pretty much at every stop that he can handle this. He can handle this. And he's done it below the age you would expect that. So he's, he's been ahead of schedule. If, if there is such a thing, I think you would say Bryce Strang's definitely ahead of schedule, right? Yeah, I think so. I think there's been a couple of decision points where we've chosen to move him, well, maybe aggressively, which I think we're all going to be better off, including Bryce in the long run for. But there's been some points where he's kind of stacked up some numbers. And then as soon as he's you know, starting to almost dominate that level, so to speak, we've pushed him up a level. So I think, you know, to his credit, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't missed a beat. He's a guy that the manager's really have to cajole just to get him to, to take a day off here and there. So we, we do it for his own good, but he's a, he's a gamer, you know, one of the managers, you know, favorite guys on every club he's been on and, and a guy's a guy that I think our fans will really rally around, you know, down the road, not too distant future. You know, we were talking about Garrett Mitchell and, and one of the things beyond the, the, the raw numbers, which are always important. Mitchell's one of those scout guys where if you're sitting in the stands, it looks different. The stuff that he does, it just looks different. It stands out. Like you said, he might uncork a throw one night. He might score from first base on a single. I mean, he does things that other guys on the field can't do. He's that athletic. He's that naturally talented. Another guy that's kind of like that very toolsy player is another outfielder, Joe Gray Jr., that had kind of just got his feet wet in a lot of ways in minor league ball over the last couple of years, but now he's hitting his stride, and it looks like he's really figured it out. He has. And I think when we use that expression, hey, this guy's taking a step or he's progressed, you know, Joe is probably the the poster, you know, player for that this year, where in the past he was always confident. But this year, I think when you ask him, you know, he knows that he gets himself out at times as opposed to a pitcher, which I think mentally for a player and a hitter is a big thing where he knows that he's going to get his pitch and, and more often than not, he's not going to miss it. And I think this year, the strides that he's made, obviously he's put up some numbers, but just in his approach to the game mentally, where he goes after it, you know, he's, he's an upbeat guy, you know, teammates love him, managers love him, but I think he knows now that he can play and he can hit. And I think it's just a matter of now, you know, it's huge, huge hurdle that he's, he's crossed over and, and hopefully continue 
continue on that path going forward. You have a lot of power in this organization. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about Joey Weimer and what he's doing. That might be the most power that you yeah. have in an organization that's showing a lot of power this year. Yeah, Weimer is, is a, they call him the toolbox, right? He's just, he's got everything just oozing out, you know, raw arm strength, raw power. And, and really he's, he's tapped into it probably in his last 150 or so at bats. He's really just been on, you know, we always say a guy's red hot. I don't know if after some point it's maybe it's he's just, he's just playing well and he's doing good. So, but he is a guy that, you know, he's dive, dives all over for balls. And you know, we kind of got to watch out for him so he doesn't get nicked up too much the way he plays, kind of reckless abandoned. But he can do a little bit of everything. Got as much power as anybody. You know, he's starting to tap into it a little more and more. And uh, the throwing arm and the defense is a, is a, good, a good plus for him as well. Yeah, you talk about Weimer, the throwing arm. This is a guy that was mid-90s off the mound if he wanted to yeah. be when he was in college. So this is a, a, a really big time arm from Joey Weimer in the outfield. Last thing I want to ask you, and that's just about the, the overall depth. I think that's the strength. There's a lot of headlining guys that we just talked about, but there's so many other names that we haven't talked about guys like David Hamilton that are having good years. There, there's a, just a real depth of interesting prospects in this organization right now. And I think it's as good as it's been in the last three or four years, would you agree? Yeah, I think I think the one area that really jumps out where I think probably the last two two years we've really done a nice job is on the position player side. Really at each position, as you mentioned earlier, when we've promoted a player, there's been no shortage of of legitimate guys to slide in where you feel, hey, this guy's a legit prospect that we're 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 subbing in for another guy. So I think that side of the ball, especially, obviously we've done really well with pitching and and look to continue to do that. And I think there's a lot of names where, you know, you, you referenced early in the, in the show about prospect lists. There's Corey Howell. And I forget which list it was, but didn't even make our top 30, which yeah. I don't know if I buy that, but yeah, that's a heck of a player not to be in your top 30 if, if somebody thinks that. So I think it's a great, great you know, symbol of what's coming on the position player side, not too far down the road for the organization. Yeah. I mean, the lists are fun and they're, they're, they're great for fans. Right. But if, Aaron Ashby's not a top 100 prospect right now in baseball, then I don't know what to tell you because anybody that's watched him at the major league level knows this is a legitimate dude. And he's, he's got a chance to be really special. And uh, the Brewers, I don't even think he's in the top five in some of these lists for the Brewers prospects. And he's, he's a tremendous talent. I mean, he he has a chance to be elite. So um, I think you guys have figured it out on your own of of what you value and, and where your guys are and you know what their value is. Tom, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. Anytime, Lane. Appreciate it. A big thank you to Tom Flanagan for joining us here on Brewers on Tap. And that is going to do it for us. The Brewers coming home for a big homestand. The Cardinals coming up next after these two final games against the Giants. Brewers continuing to roll right down the tracks towards an NL Central title. A lot of fun. Baseball reference says the Brewers chances at the postseason right now at 99.9%. So I think you can start making some plans. Still put them in pencil because there's still work to do, as you'll hear the Brewers talk about over the next couple of weeks. But things are certainly in a good spot for the crew right now. All right, stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to you again next week. Go crew. I'm Lane Grinder.